This is Belize from UCLA Radio, and you're listening to The Menu. Good morning, everybody. This is Belize on UCLAradio.com. You're listening to The Menu, a show about everything food-related and culture in Los Angeles. I have my lovely intern with me in the booth. Breezy. Hello, Breezy. And for our first section, although we have a lot of topics to talk about, including Chrissy Teigen's um, Guide to Los Angeles Restaurants, let's, let's do a recap of our week. Um, what did you have that you really liked this week, Breezy? So I went to Doomies for the first time this week. Oh. Yeah. And so that was interesting. I thought it was cool. I like that it was like exclusively vegan, but also like they had the ambiance where it's like, don't think of it as being vegan food. It's just like really good food that happens to be vegan. And like, I don't know. I thought it was really good. I went with a few of my friends, so we all kind of tried each other's food. So it was oh, like what, what did you guys food. have? I had the barbecue sandwich. My friend had their chicken, spicy chicken sandwich, which I heard is like their staple, like what mm. you should get if it's your first time going, which is really good. And then my other friend had a peanut butter burger, which was interesting. Oh. Yeah. What did you think of that? I thought it was good, but it was definitely like get peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth <laughs> experience. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it was good. Yeah, apparently they do brunch now as well, which I didn't. Um, I kind of found out about this a couple of weeks ago, and I think they just started it. So it would be interesting to go there for brunch as well. Yeah. but I want to try their, like, Mexican restaurant. Oh, Next Next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I want to try that too. Um, yeah, but I, I, le- I only went to Doomies once. I still haven't been to the Culver City one. Um I went there, I went to the one in Hollywood before the Culver City one opened, and I really liked it. Yeah. And because I also loved that it was a very, um, it had a diner-like feeling. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated that, definitely. Um, yeah. How about you? Something good you had this week? I had a lot of food this week, actually. <laughs> and, but the first one I want to talk about is that I went to Meals by Jeanette. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's an Ethiopian restaurant in Little Mm. Ethiopia. And it was the first time um, that I tried out Ethiopian food. I know that I'm late, (laughs) I'm sorry. But um, we had the vegetarian combination, which is um, basically the injera bread which is kind of like a thin crepe like bread um, on a huge plate and then the uh, vegetarian appetizers uh, are all like inside the bread in the in a circle and what we had on that plate was alicha kik which is yellow split peas orange split peas red lentils which were kind of spicy, and I really liked that. Sautéed potatoes, green beans, carrot and onions, collard greens, cabbage and carrot, 
um, tomatoes, jalapeno, red onions, olive oil with lemon juice, pureed sunflowers, um, green lentils with Ethiopian mustard, and some beets. And they were all very good. And what you do is you eat it with your hands. They give you another mm -hmm. um, injera bread um, besides the one on the plate. And you kind of like take some of the bread and kind of use it as a spoon or like as a claw and just eat it all up. And as an entree, I had the tofu tips, which is tofu sauteed in onions, green chilies, and um, olive oil because I'm vegan. And my friend, actually my co-host, Henry, um, he had the dorawat, which is spicy chicken, stewed in red pepper sauce with Ethiopian butter. And it definitely looked very, yeah. like, you know, indulgent. Like rich. Yes, yeah. rich. Um, we couldn't, we finished the entire, like, vegetarian combination that we got, but it was definitely a lot of food. I would definitely go back, and my goal right now is to go out and try all the restaurants in Little Ethiopia because I don't know why I was so late. <laughs> I'm in love with Ethiopian food, and I want to eat it every single day now. <laughs> Um, and if you're vegetarian, vegan, or gluten-free, Meals by Jeanette is also a very good place for you to go because the chef herself is, um, vegan and gluten-free. Um, so she accommodates to a lot of food preferences. Um, so that was that. <laughs> yeah. I really like Ethiopian food and I feel like there's a good crossover between when you look at Ethiopian food and Indian food. I feel like they're really similar, but also have like very significant cultural differences. And mm -hmm. they're both like types of food that I really enjoy going out. Like, yeah, oh, let's find a new like Indian place or a new Ethiopian place. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and then kind of a different experience altogether. I went to Otium um, during the weekend and it's by chef Timothy Hollingsworth, who, if I'm not mistaken, won Final Table, which is a show on Netflix where chefs all over the world compete and cook a different type of world cuisine like every single uh, week or every single competition. That's cool. Um, yeah, and he, he won that competition. So I... We went to his restaurant. Um, first of all, if you're going to O-Team, you have to have the cocktails. As you know, <laughs> I interviewed their bar director, Chris Emerald, a couple weeks ago, and it's one of the best places in Los Angeles to have a cocktail. It's curated so thoughtfully, um, and all the drinks are amazingly delicious. Um, and then when it comes to the food, um, we had the cauliflower um, with grapes, almond, cilantro, and sultanas. And it had a very like um, sweet and sour sauce, kind of like the sweet and sour sauce you would use um, normally with, um, you know, um, is it Chinese or is it Thai? I'm not sure. But Thai. yeah, with Thai food, like that kind of, um, thick consistency yeah. 
sauce on the bottom of the cauliflower and I could have used a little bit of salt in there because everything was kind of sweet and sour altogether but um, it was cooked beautifully and I would have never thought to put grapes, almonds and like sultanas and that sour sauce all together with yeah. cauliflower so it was definitely uh, a mix that worked well together and then we had a vegetable plate that was all grilled with I'm assuming balsamic sauce and we had the crispy potatoes with it and the vegetables were all charred so beautifully and it tasted very like um, sour again but also kind of spicy so it it was a nice um, balance between like you know the earthy taste of the vegetables yeah. and that lemon zest and that um, little spicy kick when you bite into it um, it was definitely um, a more high-end experience and I would go back there again um, especially if you're not vegan vegetarian um, I would say you have a lot more options to try on the menu but um, the chef was very kind enough to prepare like a vegetable plate which I appreciate a lot yeah that's always I'm vegetarian too so I feel it's not as stringent obviously as being vegan but it definitely is something to be weary about like especially if I'm going out with friends I'm just like I don't know if they're gonna have anything that I can order <laughs> or it's like I feel really bad asking like can you make like can I have this but without the meat in it you know? <laughs> but I don't know I think it's worth a try to go out and try to experience different restaurants and see most places are really accommodating I found mm -hmm. especially in Los Angeles people are there there are a lot of vegans and who prefer a plant-based lifestyle so I think um, even if the place does not offer uh, vegan options on their menu, they're always uh, like welcome to accommodate you, yeah. which is you know, really nice that they go out of their way to do that. Because, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's of course necessary to have vegan options, in my opinion. But then also when a menu is set, it's kind of not cost effective to like go out of that menu and do something different. Yeah. So I appreciate all the restaurants for doing all they can. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I have to mention this because um, it has been an important, I guess, product <laughs> of, um, of my weekend. I went to Bread Lounge, which is in downtown LA in the Arts District. Um, it's a bakery. They also have some food. And I got their olive bread. And it was so nice. It was so soft on the inside. And it was very light and fluffy. So it didn't feel like you were eating a lot of carbs. And I finished that entire loaf by <laughs> myself that night um, with just some olive oil. It was amazing. If you like olive bread, Bread Lounge is where to go. Their other breads are also really nice. But... The olive bread is really good. Yeah, that's like dangerous because I feel like my one weakness is bread. I'm always Ugh. just like, uh, the carbs. Like, I know. Like, I can't have more <laughs> bread because I'll finish the whole thing by myself. Yes, but sometimes it's, you just yeah. you just have to, you know. It's, it's worth it to indulge yeah, sometimes. It is. You have to listen to your body. And if your body tells you to eat bread, don't <laughs> eat bread. So... 
I want to share some news that I read on Eater LA this morning. Um, Chef Cho- Roy Choi announced a new restaurant delivery app called Chewbox last week. And if you don't know who he is, uh, Roy Choi is a Korean-American chef who um, became famous for his gourmet Korean-Mexican taco truck, Kogi. Do you know about it? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, and he is, um, he's celebrated for, you know, his food that isn't fancy, um, but he also made the food truck movement gourmet and something um, desirable, I guess, or like more popular. Um, and he was also, um, the movie Chef was also inspired by him, oh. if I'm not wrong. Um, yeah, it's, um, and then he had a show, show, show with Jean Favreau called The Chef Show. I don't think I've heard of that. Um, yeah, it's an interesting show. I haven't, I haven't watched all the episodes, but it's basically Jean Favreau plays a chef, and then he becomes so interested in food during um, the filming, oh. he kind of um, learns how to cook from other chefs and like people in the food industry around the world. I don't want to say around the world because I might be very wrong in like explaining the <laughs> the premise the, of the show. The premise of the show, yeah. But yeah, he had a part in that. Let's just let's just say that. Um, and then he wrote in an Instagram post about Chewbox, and basically what he plans to do is kind of like a delivery model. Um, and right now. Um, it's um he he's basically going to open this up first to teachers and not to general public what he plans to do is he wants to bring food um chef cooked meals and local meals um, directly to the neighborhood supplied by the name neighborhood employed within the neighborhood so it's a very local and community-based delivery app and the reason why they picked teachers because they need a great, beautiful, hot meal the most is what he says. Um, and I, f- I found this really lovely because he says on the post, and we're going to take care of you and take care of them from the teachers. If the program goes really well, we're going to continue to expand out to the business and organizations all through South Central and continue work outward and maybe move throughout other cities all throughout America. So it's so it's based in South Central right now? Is yes. That, okay. Yes. And um, he had a restaurant, I think, around that area called Local. Um, and I think he's bring, also bringing that concept of the restaurant back with the delivery service as well. Um, and... Yeah, I think it's a great idea um, because what I'm realizing more and more now is that how Los Angeles food scene is very community-based and very local and how neighbor people in the neighborhood look out for each other yeah. and actually want to be involved with the people that they serve and, you know, vice versa. It's, um, it's a great, um, I think it's a great, you know, network to be in 
because you not only have a responsibility towards the people, your customers, but also your neighborhood around you. Um, and I think that chefs and restaurant owners who are aware of that are doing an amazing job. And, you know, um, when we were talking with Fred from Burger Lords last week, he also mentioned, like, we all we do these, like, art galleries and pop-ups because we want to service our community and we want to form a community around our restaurant mm. for, our, for the people who come to our restaurant. And it's very important that we support these chefs and restaurants. Yeah, I think it also, it makes it more accessible for mm -hmm. a lot more people who might not have the time or the ability to be able to travel to a certain restaurant. So mm -hmm. they're still able to experience and join in on that without having to maybe like go out of their way or travel first. You know, LA traffic, like it could be up to hours if you want to go a few miles, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, um, we hope to hear more about the delivery service and the, I guess, upgrades and improvements um, in the near future. So is this going to be, is it like similar to, to what Postmates or like DoorDash would be where you're ordering from a restaurant and then getting it the, like similar concept or? I, don't know. I know that they are, I know that they were looking for um, delivery people, but I think it's more, um, I think it's less like Postmates and more like, you know, those um, food delivery programs that deliver you some oh. stuff with a box and then you cook it, but then yeah. it would be like a full meal and you don't have to cook it. So okay. it's kind of, I think it's that concept. So like a subscription type thing, kind of? I think I it's still, it's not. It's like catering, but okay. individualized, okay. I would say, and in a more small scale, yeah, a small scale version of catering. That's what I understood from it. Um, let's see if we have more, more information about it. Um, no. Do you know about Kitchen United in Pasadena? I do not. So it says that it's a local food hub that hosts six restaurants and several food entrepreneurs. Um, and you can also order like takeout. And I think it's kind of like that, but not a real restaurant. So a couple of restaurants, so but then like one delivery. Of yeah. The one delivery system. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you have more information about that, we'll let you know on the menu. Um, so that community initiative kind of made me think, and then about this stuff, and then I saw Chrissy Teigen's food guide that she made on her um, new website, Cravings by Chrissy Teigen, and she made a guide to Los Angeles restaurants. And on, on the guide, she, she says, I'm a well-known homebody, especially in Los Angeles. So you know if I'm leaving the house, it's for something good. Here's all the places that I will get out of my rope for. 
So even when she prepares us for this guide, she's kind of like, this is my list. I'm not really trying to do anything with it. Um, I just wanted to share. And she wrote a bunch of restaurants on the list, Spago, Providence, Polo Lounge, um, Madeo, John and Vinny's, Il Pastayo, and Naka. So as you can see, it's kind of high-end the restaurants. Um, there are some who are more um, affordable, like Joy, um, Joy New York, or um, Taco Cibria La Unica, which is a taco truck, um, and the only food truck on the list. Um, so as you can imagine, this list has brought some controversy um, with it. LA Times food writer Jen Harris had some opinions about it, and she wasn't a fan of the list, basically. Um, she says um, one of her mistakes, according to Harris, which I kind of agree, is that she lumps Korean barbecue, Vietnamese, Thai, Taiwanese, and Japanese food under the Asian category. And none of the restaurants that she lists on Asian are from San Gabriel Valley, which is, you know, if you know a little bit of something about Los Angeles food scene, San Gabriel Valley is the best place for any type of Asian food. Jonathan Gold yeah. reported a lot of restaurants from that area. Um, and it's, she says... I respect Hagen and her opinions. I respect where she likes to eat. I'm also happy for any restaurant in Los Angeles that gets a shout out from a big sell-up. But if you're going to publish a guide on where to eat in Los Angeles, do your fans and yourself a solid and eat at some Korean restaurants that don't serve barbecue. Explore where and how the states of Mexico are represented in Los Angeles and please, please visit the San Gabriel Valley. Um, and I kind of agree with this opinion, but I think she's a little bit harsh on her because she says when she mentions Night Plus Market, which is a great restaurant in Los Angeles, um, she's like, well, if you're writing about Night Plus Market, then why not add the orange chicken from Panda Express? And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that is a little, a little, a little much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, wait, what do you what do you think about this, Breezy? I think. I could get where she's coming from, but also I think it's important to kind of hone in on the fact, too, that I don't think Chrissy Teigen, I haven't read her thing, mm -hmm. so I'm not entirely sure. But, I mean, we all know she's not some type of food connoisseur or, like, um, someone who does that for a living. So I think it, where she's just being like, hey, this is where I like to go or, like, where I would stop by. And it's not really an established, like, mm -hmm. you need to come here or, like, these are the best of the best. I guess for her, it's just, like, her opinion. Like, putting, like if I were to tell a friend, hey, this is where, like, if you're coming to Westwood, this is where I would go. Yeah. But also, she is a big celeb. So I think there should have been more thought into that, especially going on her website. Mm -hmm. So I could kind of see both sides. Yeah. I think one of her biggest mistakes was to put food into categories, which mm -hmm. is also very um, 
a blurry line in Los Angeles because there is a, also a lot of combinations and a mixes. Lot of yeah, yeah. Um, in the scene as well. Um, but the thing is, like, when reading the Celeste, you know, she men- mentions Jelena and Night Plus Market and a couple of other places that I would also recommend someone, yeah. you know. If someone asked me to um, recommend some restaurants in Los Angeles and, you know, maybe it's their first time here, I would tell them to go to Nobu Malibu, not because they have the best sushi, but because you get a view there, you know, there's some nice people surrounding yeah. you. It's by the beach. It's, it's an experience a nice, overall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's, um, I think it's definitely... Yes, she does have a perspective of a celebrity who can spend a lot of money on a lot of fancy restaurants. But also, this is her own experience. And I personally have never been to the San Gabriel Valley and tried out the food. You know, I told you a couple minutes ago that it was my first time trying out Ethiopian food, although we have a lot of Ethiopian restaurants in Los Angeles. So it takes time and everyone you know has their own pace of discovering and recognizing different types of food in Los Angeles I don't think there's anything wrong with that um, necessarily I think what's important is that people acknowledge that there are different kinds of food experiences in Los Angeles that people can you know experience and participate in and then also recognizing that that they make their I guess judgments or guidance to other people yeah like I don't know for me it's just like I wouldn't expect Chrissy Teigen to like be going to some underground Mm -hmm. like super low-key restaurants yeah but you know like I don't know it's it's Chrissy Teigen so I feel like obviously (laughs) she's going to like higher-end restaurants are really nice that have like some type of um someone that will wait on you or like mm-hmm. provide this really fancy or high-end experience so maybe it's just like me typecasting yeah her, but <laughs> like i i don't know it's not something that i would expect from her anyways i feel mm-hmm. like so i'm not entirely too surprised yeah um and then she um went to twitter and because she saw obviously the article and then she said on Twitter, um, just last night, I was like, I'm kind of scared for my restaurant guide. I hope people know it's just a running list of places we go and love and don't take it seriously. <laughs> so God damn it. <laughs> Anywho, I'm not a food critic. I love food. I love to cook it. I don't go out much. I love home. This is an honest list places that we love when I do get dressed and doesn't mean more. Um, so, you know. Yeah. There's there's some improvements that could have been made to the list. But overall, I think she's genuine yeah. in writing the places that she likes to go personally. Yeah. I feel like it's more, it's more like a blog post than yeah. her, like... Her yeah. opinion piece rather than something where it's like, oh, I'm, I know so much about food, so mm-hmm. listen to me. Um, and I think that's important to take into consideration. It's like 
it's just where she likes to go and places she's had good experiences at. So Yeah, and I think part of the problem is that now there are so many food bloggers and yeah. food Instagrammers that how do we recognize food journalism from Instagram, you yeah. know? And these from something that might just be like a hobby or somebody who's mm-hmm. not really, um, I don't know, I don't want to say like qualified because everybody's qualified in their own way. But Yeah, but, you know, food journalists obviously put a lot of thought and work into this. And it's not just about taking pretty pictures of food. Um, they are very involved with the people behind the food and how this food, you know, becomes a thing on your plate. So they document that whole process and they give you, when you're reading a food critic's writing, especially when you look at John and Gold's writings, it's, it's a whole other experience that you have, even without tasting that food. So I completely understand where that criticism comes from because now everyone acts like they're you know a food critic or a food food writer yes um but i think chrissy tingham was very like self-aware yeah so i i think i'm not on anyone's side but i I get both points you know i feel her (laughs) yeah i get both points of view as well Mm -hmm. because it's like especially coming from a food critic's view, I would see where you're not understanding the mm-hmm. entire process. Like, you're not going through the whole, um, well, what does it take to put this onto your plate and what's going on behind the scenes? But mm-hmm. also just, like, as a regular consumer, it's like, well, I'm getting the end product and that's what anybody sees. Mm-hmm. So, But I definitely understand point view, both yeah. points of views. Yeah. and And then after I kind of research about this controversy, I um, came along another article written in March this of this year by LA Times columnist Frank Xiong. And the title of the column is On Virgil Avenue, Avocado Toast, and Four Different Versions of the Same City, which I think kind of explains that little controversy that went on um, very well and the dynamic of experiences and cultures in Los Angeles pretty well. Um, He starts the article, after more than a year together in our East Hollywood home, I discovered that my mother, a Taiwanese immigrant, had never had avocado toast. And if you think about Los Angeles for a second, for a lot of people, you know that Los Angeles means avocado toast yeah um and especially in east hollywood which is the home of skrull the most avocado toast places of all places in los angeles um you know it's it's very for him it's surprising that his mom has never have have never even went to skrull you know um and he talks about all the different um, cuisines that are available on Virgil Avenue where Skrull is located and um, talks about how Skrull changed the neighborhood because after Jonathan Gold write a re- wrote a review on it, it became really popular and then Jessica Koslow became this super amazing chef and I, you know, she deserves it. Um, the food there is amazing. She is amazing. But 
um, you know, after magazines and TV shows started putting Skrull everywhere, the rent got high, mm-hmm. and then it, you know, um, a lot of families were evicted because of the housing prices. So, you know, it, and they started, you know, complaints started to arose. Um, I was going to say, like, when I think of, like, avocado toast is kind of like a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's like, oh, avocado toast and all the hipsters. Or, <laughs> like, gentrification, which is sad because, like, everyone can enjoy a good avocado toast yeah. from here and there. But there's also the underlying truths behind that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, like, yeah. something. It's a weird topic to navigate because it's, like, a joke most of the time but also there's like some realities behind that where it's like yeah and it's i I mean you know the the avocado toast is not at fault here (laughs) yeah no it definitely (laughs) isn't and i enjoy myself some good avocado toast yeah um i mean obviously we all do it's just sometimes especially with like you were talking about the whole gentrification thing sometimes some um contemporary american restaurants you know, they became so successful that the entire block has now a lot of new restaurants from like hipster chefs, and it it develops in that in that way. But then, the institutions that were there for such a long time and such a staple in that neighborhood, they run out of risk to you know get evicted or close their businesses because the prices go up and especially um, if you've been listening to the show for a while and listening to our interviews you know that having a, and sustaining a restaurant in Los Angeles is very costly and very hard to do so it although um, Jessica Koslow herself says that she wishes she could talk with her critic critics because she wants to support local businesses and tries to treat her neighbors with respect like she's not obviously the bad guy here she just and she herself chose that street and that restaurant um, location because she couldn't pay that much rent it was the cheapest place she could get and you know before scroll opened that was a very local street and not a lot of people outside that neighborhood would have um gone and eaten at a you know restaurant on that avenue yeah. so um yeah it's um and then he um he talks about Vaz golden hen right across the street from squirrel and the loner lena louis um she, lena louis has never actually tried squirrel before so the columnist takes her to Skrull for the first time. And then um, he says it's a little bit tense at first because, you know, both Kosso and him don't know what she would think of the food. Yeah. And then um, she serves her the crispy rice and she loves it. She says, how do you get it so crispy? And, you know, it's like a it's like an emotional movie scene where everything is good. <laughs> And, you know, gentrification solved. <laughs> um, but I, it, it sounds like I'm making fun of the article. It's a very thoughtful article. But it's just the way 
that so it's presented. Yeah, it's it's written. It's kind of like a you know, there's a picture on the article with Koslov and Lena Louis. It, they're like hugging each other. It's like, you know, it's very um, picturesque and cinematic, but also, um, you know, they live in the same neighborhood, so it's not that, um, not as dramatic. Yeah. Um, but then um, he says. Watching them, I thought about how things might be different if we spent more time in the same Los Angeles, the one where we try to understand our neighbors, where the parallel lives we lead intersect every once in a while, which I think is a whole um, theme of the article. Um, you know, we have so many different types of lives and we have so many different cultures here that it's it sometimes gets hard to get out of your perspective even about food in Los Angeles and go out and try those places that you know you wouldn't try otherwise but it's important to acknowledge that across the street from Skrull there is um Wa's golden hen and that you also recognize its importance for the neighborhood and the community. Yeah. I think it's just interesting how restaurants, even within close proximity to each other, it's just they'll draw completely different demographics. And so mm -hmm. people get so stuck in like, you go to what you know, and then you know something's good, or you're used to it, or they have mm -hmm. maybe like a certain memory attached to it. So you don't really venture out as much, um, even within the same neighborhoods or yeah. And so it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah, I still have so many places I haven't tried out in Westwood. Yeah. Or in like Sautel, which also has great, um, you know, Vietnamese or Thai, Taiwanese food. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just go out there and try a food that you haven't tried before because I think Los Angeles is a very special place and you will, I, I think that, you know, you won't find all of these cultures and history together in one city. Yeah. I think, like, going back to what Fred was saying last week, that mm -hmm. before everybody wanted to move to New York, and New mm -hmm. York was, like, the food hub of the nation, and now people are starting to come to L.A., and we're getting more recognition. And I feel like even before, like, big restaurants started coming out here, there's mm -hmm. a lot of... We have Little Tokyo and like Little Persia, and mm -hmm. you know, so like all these cultural places where you're able to try different ethnic foods, which in a lot of other places you wouldn't have the opportunity to to yeah. experience like these different cultural norms. Exactly, and we all, California being a you know agriculture state, we also get good produce um, in the farmers markets. So it's there's a lot of value put and a lot of effort put into um, the foods we eat. So, you know, appreciate your local restaurants, appreciate everyone who works to put out that plate in front of you. So on this episode, we talked about what we ate this week, beet doomies, otium, some olive bread, all the good stuff. We talked about different food experiences in Los Angeles, um, especially after the whole
Chrissy Teigen's guide at, to Los Angeles restaurants things kind of happen. Um, and, you know, we were, by the end of this episode, I think we're both grateful <laughs> for what Los Angeles has to offer. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see you guys next week. Um, we have, we're going to have two special guests, hopefully, if nothing goes wrong, if Mercury Retrograde does not come <laughs> for us, um, we're going to have two lovely guests. I don't want to disclose the guests right now because, right now because I want to make it a surprise. But tune in next week at 11 a.m. for a special interview on usaradio.com's The Menu. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.